Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. Today we're going to talk about procrastination. Because Jonathan was thinking about procrastinating before. <laughs> I know, I just never get around to it. I never get around <laughs> to procrastinating. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so it's funny. We had, uh, we both have had a couple of, uh, I think, pretty funny procrastination stories recently and thought we'd um, talk about it. I've had a few students that are facing different kinds of procrastination. And of course, I, I do it. I know you do it, Rochelle. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe talk about some some ways to think about it, some tactics, some that are probably a little controversial. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully my wife's not listening. Yeah, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, okay, so the, the real kickoff for this, for me, for this idea was... Uh, I was on a phone call with, you know, I have I have all these private coaching students and they talk to me every two weeks on an accountability call and we agree on a list of to-dos. And it's not a million to-dos. Uh, I, I try to keep it, you know, manageable to whatever their availability is. And it's usually around anywhere from like six to 12, not too long. I'm a big believer in not having too many things on your list because whenever I've done that in the past, I just, every time I look at the list, I scan the whole thing. I reorganize it. I'm like, which one of these can I fit into the 15 minutes that I think I have? And then now 10 minutes are gone and yeah. I don't have time to do anything. Um, so I'm a big fan in having uh, just a, sh a short number of things on your to-do list that you're actually going to do. And anything that's not, that anything you're not going to do, don't leave it there. It's just yeah. going to stress you out. And uh, so one of the things we were talking, you know, he was, you know, we do this every two weeks or, you know, all these to-dos to get done. And I noticed that, you know, so I notice when not that many get done and, uh, you know, sometimes there's a reason a project went side, client project went sideways or something, but it shouldn't, shouldn't be frequent. And it, uh, it got me thinking, I was like, you know, I've, I've got this, uh, I live by my to-do list. I've got like a daily to-do list. All these things come back daily, but I'll, you know, I throw other things on there too, from time to time that are one-off things. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that uh, there's one that I kept, I, you can swipe to add a day to, you can swipe to like snooze a to-do and it like goes to the next day. Mm -hmm. And uh, I kept on swiping the same to-do and it was to uh, get my car inspected. My car's two years old and, you know, now it needs to have an inspection sticker. So uh, yeah, I put it on my list. Like, you know, I'm definitely going to get a ticket at some point. I don't drive that much these days, but I'm eventually going to get a ticket for it. So mm -hmm. I put it on the list. And I just, you know, yesterday I swiped it to delay it again. And I'm like, how many times have I snoozed this thing? I've been snoozing it for like three weeks. So I'm like, I deleted it. I'm like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I'm obviously, I've demonstrated through my behavior that I am not going to do this and I will just get a ticket. <laughs> it's like, That's fine. insane. I'm just not doing it. <laughs> you need to try my trick on that one, Jonathan. Yeah. So I, yes, I, I, this is what put me over the top for this topic. So like... <laughs> <laughs> so what's your trick for stuff like that? For, for that is I combine them with something I enjoy. Like there is, There's just no way getting your car inspected is fun. I mean, <laughs> it's just not. You go, you sit in the car in the line, you get out, they do their stuff. Um, so I combine it with something I really enjoy. So I will find, you know, a place I've wanted to eat that has like a really cool salad I wanted to try or <laughs> fried chicken or something that's a little treat. And then I do the thing. And then I go get the treat. 
And that's it. So instead of allowing, I don't know, what do you have to allow an hour to do it? So you allow an hour and 20 minutes or an hour and a half, but you go and you attach something fun to it. That's not a bad idea. That is, that would actually, that could work, honestly. Yeah. yeah. I'm all about the fun. I mean, who wants to do all this stuff? But life has a certain amount of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have anybody to hand it off to, and your wife is going to kill you if she's in the car <laughs> and she gets a ticket, you know, I'm just thinking there might be another solution. Yeah, that's just not a strong enough motivation for me. So. But I do like the salad idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a slightly complicated now. I'll, I am vaxxed and relaxed at this point, though, so maybe I can do it. Yeah, but I mean, it could be, you know, you take the dog with you and you go for a walk someplace pretty, you know, go to the water, you know, you're not far from the water, be beautiful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's not a bad idea. Make a day of it, so to speak. Well, an hour and a half anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty good. So yeah, that was so that that was my personal most recent procrastination. Um, and I can always see it like because it just stares you in the face like I keep snoozing the thing. It's like, oh, I need to do this. I should do this. I have to do this. It's like, no, I don't. I can just accept the consequences and I'd mm -hmm. rather do that than do the thing. So... But I do like the I do like the salad idea. I'll try that and see if. But I I, I want to point out what you just said. I'll accept the consequences. So when yeah. you procrastinated in this case, you were very clearly aware of the consequences. Right. And I think sometimes when we procrastinate, we're not really thinking about that because we're not consciously aware we're procrastinating. That's a great point. Yeah, you're just sort of like blindly or like head in the sand, like boop, like sweep it under the rug. That didn't happen. That will never happen. That will never cause a problem for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then a year later, when you could have had a year's worth of blog posts, you look back and go, huh. Mm -hmm. And then you, you wonder why the guy next to you who's been doing that is getting more traction or <laughs> is getting business that you're not getting. Right. Yeah. So in, in my particular case with the car inspection, like the consequences are not sufficient pain to exceed the pain of actually doing it. So like the pain of getting a ticket is lower than the pain of like going and doing it. So if I can, if I can use your trick to mitigate my pain of getting it, the car inspected, then that, that could tip the scales. I think it will, I can feel it. I can feel that it will tip the scales because I, there's a particular place I'd like to have lunch near there. So it's hard. I never <laughs> thought of that. So that's pretty good. I'm all about the lunch. Yep. But there's another, there's a whole bunch of different reasons, I think, for people to procrastinate. And another one, a whole list of these things just came up in the past few days for me uh, with students. Um, one uh, was, one, I think the, the closest segue <clears throat> from the, my story to this next one is, uh, you know, we, we do these, these two-week sprints of to-dos and, and, you know, if stuff, if stuff keeps staying on the list... To me, it creates almost like an anti-gravitational pull or like a, it's like a, it creates the feel of a, the beginning of a death spiral of like yeah. of demonstrating that you don't respect this list. It's not, it, it's like, so the things on it that are important could kind of get lumped in with the, all these things that are essentially you've just like stuck all this garbage up in the attic and you're, you're just forgetting about it. And that, to me, that's really bad because then it, you sort of disrespect the list Mm -hmm. And I say just delete it. Like if, if you've gone a month with something on your to-do list, you're not going to do it. And I, I have a separate list called Maybe Someday, which is t straight out of uh, David Allen's book, Getting Things Done, 
that I, I find it hard sometimes to just straight up delete the thing because I don't know. I feel like I'm, especially oh. if it's like. It's like deleting dreams. Right, exactly. When you do that. Exactly. Yeah. It depends on the nature of the to do. But if the to do is something like fun, but I just don't get around to it because it's not important, I'll put it, I especially then I put it in the maybe someday list. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. so if, if you looked at that now, it would have like 500 things on it. And I read it like once or twice a year just to laugh at how stupid I was six months ago <laughs> thinking I was going to do this. Like, no, I'm not. <laughs> but somehow it hurts less than deleting it. Um, and some, and there are actually sometimes I'll go in there and be like, oh, I actually did this, uh, or or I'll say, oh wow, this is like, um, like a classic thing. I have like there's probably fifty ideas for books on there, like like book title with subtitle, and like I'll have an idea and I'll throw it on there and I'll go back and read it. And maybe there's like five good ones out of fifty, like that I would still be like, yeah, I'm going to do that. I, I at someday I could do that. That's like still a good idea. Mm-hmm. So if, you know, so one of the things about having the, your main real to-do list that you look at every day, then to me, it's like, if there's stuff on there that's, that's aging and, you know, so I would think for me, two weeks is a for sure sign that I am not going to, it's, it's just not high priority enough. I'll either just delete it if it's something I don't want to do, like the stupid car, or, uh, I'll just put it in the, in the maybe someday list. If it's something I don't, I I want to not forget, but I'm clearly not going to get around to it, uh, right away. So that I think that's a I think that helps people who are are kind of disrespecting their list and it's just this gar- like garbage filled attic of stuff uh, separating separating into stuff you're actually going to do and then you check it every day and you actually do, do something them. on the list every day. Yeah, I, I think of that as the integrity of the list. Yes, that's a great way to put it. Because if you're not tending to it, all of a sudden nothing on the list is important. Mm-hmm. Which, which is another way of saying not, you know nothing is that you're doing is important. Wrong yeah. signal, bad signal to build authority. Yeah, and it gives. I you like a bad the feeling. idea of having it really tight. Yeah, every time you look at it, you just feel bad about yourself, and then you're going to stop looking at it because you don't want to feel bad about yourself. Mm-hmm. So the stuff you're not going to do, get it off of there, and the stuff you're going to do, leave it on, and actually make some progress on it. Yeah, well, and th- one of the things I did a while back is I separated kind of the regular daily weekly stuff from my to-do list. So I have a, ch- I call it a checklist instead of a to-do list because checklist to me says, you know, you have to do it. It's not optional. So those are the things like, you know, write the post, publish it, you know, do the, do this podcast, you know, those kinds of things so that my actual to-do list is actually pretty short. It's one, two, three, four, I have seven things on and one is crossed out. So I have six things um, to worry about, but they will get done. Mm-hmm. They have to fit on a sticky note is how I think about it. A, oh, a, a, a big a big sticky note, not a little mm-hmm. tiny one. It's like a, maybe a three by three sticky note. Mm-hmm. Well, so that, that reminded me of one of the tips that you shared before when we were talking about this before the show. Uh, sometimes when you're not doing a to do, it's, it's not that it's low priority. It's just that it's too big. It's a project. It's not a to do. Yeah, like write book. <laughs> right. You know? like that's that's kind of a big one. Yeah, yeah. So the trick there is perhaps to, you know, outline the extent of the project if you want. I don't even think that's 100% necessary. But the thing that's the thing that, you know, it's somewhere else, like not on your to-do list. But the thing that you do put on your to-do list is the smallest possible next action you can take on on that project. 
Mm-hmm. So, yep. right. So if you look at a thing and you're like, uh, you know, you're looking at an item on the list, like write book or uh, start membership community. It's like, you know, oh. what, right? <laughs> yeah. like what, what could you break that down to? You could break it down to, I don't know, uh, pick a platform for membership community. It's just like, that's totally doable. You could do that in a half an hour. Yep. You yeah. do that. Yeah. And then make the decision and move on to the next, whatever the next thing is. Yeah. Write the sandbox rules. Yes. Yeah, what it, right. it just, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so sometimes it can be helpful to have a separate document or you know, wherever you keep stuff like this. Have like list out maybe like a whole bunch of steps in the project. And I'm a, I'm a huge outliner. I like to do bullet points with nested, you know, bullet points under them. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and I'll go, I can go, I can fill up like 100 or 200 lines in a text editor pretty quickly for any kind of, you know, like a book, like boom. It's, you know, an hour later, I've got like... 1500 words of outline Mm -hmm. and and it's a lot like if if that is all if that's kind of like all baked into that one to do (laughs) like a thousand (laughs) lines of stuff to do inside of one to do then yeah just break it down at least to the extent where you know what the next a next action is there might not just be one but just pick one next action put that on your list and because i think i love the integrity of the list that you said because if if you if it doesn't have integrity, it gives you bad feelings. If it does have integrity, it gives you good feelings. Like yes. every time you look at it, you're like, yes, that little feeling of accomplishment. You it makes you want to come back to it the next day and make more progress. It's like and you feel amazing. Cycle. You yeah. feel amazing. It it empowers you rather than you know leeches energy from you. Yeah, it's like a tool instead of a cage or like chains. Yeah, you know, I I once worked with a client who. Um, she was amazing. If anything was on the to-do list, it got done. The hard part was getting it on the list because she had trouble taking things that were really strategic and putting them into, into little steps. But one, one of the things she told me is that she tries to put everything in her life on that list because it feels so damn good when she crosses it off. Mm-hmm. So, and not surprisingly, she's a mom. So she's got <laughs> like all the kids stuff to worry about. She's like the master of lists. But what we realized and it's why I really enjoyed working with her is that once it got on the list, it got done. Mm-hmm. That list was so full of integrity. It's not funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Yep. Yeah. I have uh I, I had a conversation one time back when I was doing software development. And we were talking with uh, sort of like the the business people on the other side of the table, and um, and there was some suggestion that uh, we would change the way we did the to dos. And and the developer and me were both like, "No, we can't do that because um, we love the way that the to dos. They like like when they when you scratch them off in this particular software, it's like a very dramatic completion. It's just like oh." <laughs> When you like, said scratch off, I was picturing like instant lottery tickets. I loved it. Oh, no, not that. I no, wish. but I love that idea, though, you know. Yeah, yeah. It was like, let's switch to Jira. And it's like, no way. The the animation and the thing that we're using now is much more satisfying. When <laughs> 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 it's a big deal. Like the emotional it, yeah. feeling of completing something is, um, it creates a virtuous cycle. It makes you want to do more of it. Well, that's why everything's gamified now. Like if you want to learn yeah. a language, you know, you've got to go through one of these things where they like give you little little prompts and little signals and little sounds. Yeah. And, you know, that's how we're wired. Yeah. We want that. Confetti animation. Yeah. So, yeah, even if even if you don't want that, like I know there's some engineering minded people in there who are shaking their heads right now. But, um, you know, oh, you I know, it that. feels good. You know, it feels good to scratch stuff off your to do list. It's great. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so, okay. So a couple of other stories have cropped up recently. Um, one, one's a classic. So this isn't the story I'm going to tell is not specific to a particular person. It's just a classic one, which is, uh, procrastinating on something that you're, that you are like uh, terrified. is a strong word, but it feels like terror. It's, it's, un, it's misplaced, but it feels like terror. It's not just fear mm-hmm. and it's breaking up with a client. I, I mean, any breakup mm. is horrible. Yeah. But, um, you know, breaking up with a client, like if you, if you, this is especially good thing to have a coach for. So you get some kind of impartial experienced set of eyes to look at a client situation. And, you know, if somebody tells me that they've been working with a client, uh, on an hourly basis for 18 months or longer, and it's just chaos all the time, they're totally reactive. Everything's a fire drill. They're emailing you around the clock on weekends, all caps messages, um, it's you're still at your old hourly rate and they're constantly Ew. complaining about or they go dark for two months and then they come back and it's like an emergency situation. Everything's an emergency. Mm-hmm. All the people that you work with are all in CYA mode and not doing the right thing for the company because they're afraid of their jobs. I mean, like, like, you know, a, a situation yeah. like this came onto my radar recently, but it's so common. It's so common. I'm sure lots of people listening have been in this situation. And look, you just need to fire that client and you could or break up with them or lay them off, however you want to put it delicately. Mm-hmm. But you need to get yourself a, away from a client like that. And it's a classic thing to procrastinate on. It's like, well, I still have to send one more. You know, they owe me for one last invoice. And I put in some hours while I was waiting to send the invoice. Now there's more uninvoiced hours. And it's like this can come up with every reason in the book. Or now is a bad time for them because it's crunch time and they would really be, you know, in big trouble if I left right now. And it's just, there's a million ways to avoid what you probably know and have known for a long time needs to be done. And I feel like the, I feel like the, the solution or the, um, the, the, I guess the solution is not really the right word, but it's like the thing that can help you get over that hump and stop procrastinating and actually do it is to figure out a way to kind of humanely separate and come to them with, uh, you know, usually, usually with my students, it's like this. You go to them and you say, like, look, um, I am dramatically increasing my prices this year. And I know that you guys are already cost sensitive at my current rate. So it's, you know, the time has come for us to part ways. So what I'm going to do is um, the last thing I'm going to do is leave you high and dry. I know things are crazy right now and, and you need my help. So what I'm going to do is uh, give you two weeks notice or some amount of notice. And I'm going to help you. Uh, I'm going to either give you training to have someone internally be able to do some of my the things I've been doing, or uh, I'm going to put you in touch with a group of people who could replace me at more of a rate that you're accustomed to, and I'll make myself available for an hour or two to onboard them. You just do something nice, you know, that, that's going to not just, you know, uh, cold turkey. And usually when I talk to people in a situation like this, imagining a kind of humane handoff to a replacement or some kind of, you know, whether the replacement is an internal person that you train or some external person that they bring in, um, giving them that sort of um, courtesy will usually help people take action on what needs to be done and stop procrastinating. Well, yeah, I mean, I think part of the underlying piece of this is that there is a mindset when we're in service businesses that we're supposed to serve clients. 
And that's good, right? That's why we're in business. We want to make our client situation better, but that doesn't mean we have to martyr ourselves in the process. So I think once, once you can get over that psychological hurdle, then this idea of, of a humane breakup is exactly what will let someone let go. Mm-hmm. And what I liked about the scenario you described is you put a box around it. You didn't say, I'll work for three months to get out of this. You said, I'll give you some names, not I'm going to interview them and pick one nope. for you, mm-hmm. right? I'm going to give you some names or I will train people. I will, I'm, in some cases I've said, listen, I'll put all this stuff in a Dropbox and yeah. then make myself available for, you know, an, an onboarding meeting and, you know, and then, you know, occasional questions as they crop up afterwards. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, what the way that we end relationships is a really good indicator of how we're going to begin the next one. Mm. So I think the cleaner, you know, we can do it, it feels better. It actually can feel good. And I think about, um, the, the, the consultant in that particular scenario, just feeling like this weight of a thousand pounds has been lifted off their shoulders. Oh, yeah. 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 Can't you just empathize? I mean, I literally oh, can physically there. feel that for them. Oh, yeah. I've been there. It's been a long time, but I've definitely been there. Yeah. I like your Dropbox suggestion. I think for developers, um, I've done on a couple of occasions, I've done handoffs like this um, where we source the new developers. So like whoever the the new person is that's going to be handling the technical stuff, we figure out who that person is. And like you said, I have, I'll I'll either, I don't usually um, get, I definitely don't get involved with like getting in the middle of the client and the new replacement. Uh, and interestingly, they, I, I think thinking back, they usually don't ask for my help with that. They're usually like, oh, we know we, we can find someone. Don't worry. So they'll find someone. And I usually do like, uh, you know, there'd be this huge code base that has like, you know, probably millions of lines of code. Like if you t- consider all of the open source stuff and like the packages and everything that's in it. Um, but 95% of it, I didn't write or our developers didn't write. So it's like, you know, what? there's only a tiny bits that you usually have to worry about get it in the percentage of, you know, compared to the percentage of the whole. So I'll just get on a screen share with them, uh, do record the whole thing, walk them through the structure of the, the, uh, the solution. So basically there's like three folders where all that, all the action happens and the rest of the stuff you can completely ignore. Like, Oh, I've literally never touched anything in these 12 folders. It's just like part of the rails installation. Mm-hmm. All the activity happens in these two folders the most complicated business logic is in this one file right here. And there's, it's almost always like one super complicated piece of business logic. If there's any, not tons, just one spot where you've like hacked and slashed and things are ugly in there and you just walk them through it. Then they've got the recording. They can look back later. It probably only takes 60 to 90 minutes at the most. And, uh, and then they're good. And then I'll say like, Hey, you know, if you have any follow-up questions after this, you've got my number or I'm in the Slack room. I'll be in the Slack room for another month if you have any questions. And they never, never once has anybody contacted me after that video call. So I know developers listening are, you know, imagining firing a client or like, it's impossible. I'm the only one that knows the code base and, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's like, it is possible. There's someone out there who can't you, with your guidance can get their legs under them pretty quickly. So that that's the, that's the move. Well, yeah, and there, there's also the other kinds of projects where really you're the strategist mm-hmm. and somebody else is doing the implementation and you've got all, you're helping to move all the pieces. 
And so similar situation, I think a, a slightly different approach because you've got to teach somebody what all the parts are mm-hmm. um, if from a strategic viewpoint, which is usually, you know, letting them review some documents and then walking them through the process. And then in those cases, I usually do get a few calls here and there. But again, nothing that's not not handleable. <laughs> that's a good point. I've, I've never had to let go a strategy client, but I did... But after my second was born, uh, I did part ways with a, an amazing client I had because I, it was just too much travel. And, um, and we, we wrapped that one up with, um, they flew up to Boston and we spent the day together, like massive brain dump, lots of questions. You know, there was three people there taking notes and, uh, and then, you know, spent the rest of the day sort of like, uh, you know, I guess, we, yeah, it was, we, we were, it was like a full day meeting and then we had dinner and uh, that was it, you know, and I, I don't think. It's like a bittersweet breakup. Yeah, right. <laughs> we're exactly. we're going to be friends. <laughs> right, right. And we still are friends. And I've, I can't remember if they ever needed to follow up with me because I've been in touch with people from the client just socially since then. So I, mm-hmm. I don't know. It certainly wasn't like any kind of major, um, major follow up requirement. But in general, though, in general, I feel like at least with my students, kinds of clients you usually need to let go are the implementation ones because they're because everyone's moving up a level yeah higher altitude engagements fixed prices productized services they're not doing the hourly implementation stuff anymore so those and those can feel like the ones that are the hardest to hand off uh, because it feels like there's so many details no one would ever be able to get their head around it but that's actually not true but there's also a way to do it i'm just thinking of a client of mine um had a pr guy um, on retainer and it, the 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 guy finally got this key interview that ev- everybody wanted and uh, he saw it through and then just as they're getting ready to do another big thing he resigned mm-hmm. but the way he did it was so weird because he sent an email and said some, something to the effect of you know it's been great but I'm gonna I'm gonna spend more time doing my personal writing and I'm just not gonna do this work anymore and that was it <laughs> it was over. And so then, and so the client was kind of reeling because he's like, really? I finally found a PR guy I can work with who's going to do this. And so we don't know if, was it something the client said? I mean, we really don't know if there was anything underlying. Mm-hmm. But, and and then after a week, the PR guy comes back and said, well, if you want, I could give you some names. And the client privately said to me, yeah, I want names from a guy who fires me with no notice and waits a week to offer me an option. He's like, no, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. he ended that. He, he, I don't, I don't want to say he burned a bridge. I mean, he did, but I don't think he cares. Right. Um, but if you care, I just think there are ways to close off the bridge without having to blow it up in flames. Yeah. And like to bring it back to procrastination, like the the problem, I think the big reason why people do procrastinate on this kind of a to do is that it's they don't want to be like that guy. They want to mm-hmm. they, they are a service based person and they want to they don't want anyone upset. They they just but they do need to make a change. Uh, you know, that's another thing I'll say if they're if they're really on the fence and they can't get, you know, get themselves to do it. I'll be like are you going to still be working with this client in 15 years? And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> no. And I'm like, well, what's going to happen? Are you going to wait for them to fire you or are you going to take control of the situation? They're like, yeah. okay, okay. 
<laughs> That's one of the reasons I've always really admired my VA is she's had no problem firing clients right and left. And I like to think that keeps me in line too. <laughs> <laughs> but I seriously, I think I wrote a piece about this one time. I mean, she, I think she fired half of her clients at one point. She just said, you know, I'm, I'm done. This is the way I want to work. And I want to work with people who let me work at my best. And nice no apologies and but she does it really well and the people that she fires would hire her again in a heartbeat mm -hmm. so i yeah. it's, this is a way to using procrastination uh, not procrastinating with clients like that can make you can bring you to a different level and make you feel really powerful mm -hmm. yeah it's great yeah if you've got the clarity then you know it's just a question of convincing yourself to take the action well, and maybe that's part of the procrastination is that there isn't the clarity. You yeah. know, we've put, we've put the thing on our list, but somehow we haven't bought into the idea that this needs to get done. Mm -hmm. yep. And and just going back to your original point, then that's when it probably needs to come off the list. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Okay. So another, another really common behavior I see, is, I, like it's funny now that we're talking about this because I work with at least 10 people who all have to-do lists that I'm aware of. Like, it's a funny situation. Like, I'm not aware mm -hmm. of your to-do list. I don't know what's on your to-do list. But I, I do work closely with, you know, roughly 10 or so people. And I know exactly what's on their to-do list and how many of them do it or don't. Yeah, yeah. And so we I have see, insight. Yeah, so I see a lot of, like, different kinds of procrastination. And then the next one I see is that there's something on the list that they love doing and they feel like they're great at. And then there's a bunch of other stuff on the list that is new to them. They don't feel a sense of mastery. It's very uncertain. It's stuff that we're working on together. That's why they're working with me because they're not good at this stuff. Mm -hmm. And there's a tendency to to uh, pour all of your time into the ones that you're great at. So anything, you know, like just for example, like if, if I had, a, let's say I was working on a email marketing automation with a developer like eight times out of 10, the developer is going to pour all like a ridiculous amount of time into like coding up some API or like front end so that they don't have to deal with like the regular interface and like connect their, their blog to the, the email and like update the liquid tags in the template and do all of this stuff that they're really comfortable with and have fun doing. And they'll completely not do stuff like reach out to people on LinkedIn and start conversations because that sounds like terrifying. Like, what? What? Yeah. Talk to a human? And it's like, yeah. it's not even talk to a human. It's just like connect with somebody. Connect with people. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's it's kind of funny when you see, you know, and, and there, I mean, the situation there is like, is like, they've identified that they need help in an area it's usually things like i can't i can't increase my prices i'm not getting enough leads or some comedy my positioning is terrible or something there's some business problem that they see and so that's why they start working with me in the first place so they know that there's a deficiency and they know that they need to work on it and you know really it it comes down to um what do i usually do in those in those cases i usually will will break the to-dos down smaller like you were talking about earlier and I'll say like, okay, just like, like one, uh, if let's say somebody needs to put up a landing page, something it's, it's got, there's like, it's not that hard, but it's got a few things. It's not writing a book. That's for sure. You just need to put up like a, a coming soon, you know, productized service is going to launch in May type of page to capture, you know, enter your mm -hmm. email address to be the first on the announcement list. It's like, okay, there's a fair amount of decisions there. It's like, 
Are we going to have a logo or not? What kind of colors are we going to use? What layout should we use? What platform should we use? Should we do a card or Squarespace or lead pages? Yeah, what should the URL be? Uh, there's actually quite a few decisions in putting up one single stupid landing page just to collect email addresses. Which email should we use? ConvertKit or Drip or MailChimp or Constant Contact? Like, there's a million decisions in that one thing. And you know, I might just say like, stand up a landing page, and you know, and and they never, you know, they'd rather do other stuff or they might like to do the technical pieces of that but all of the things that are that are like picking a platform and and uh picking colors and fonts and a logo and finding a designer and you know all of those things are just like mm-hmm. yeah so i'll just break them down into smaller to-dos and have them you know just tackle tackle something smaller to kind of retain the integrity of that list because the to-do list if they if they just start to be if it turns into a thing they just don't want to look at then that's the exact opposite of what we need to have happen well it's also why we hire coaches is to kind of rewire um some of our behaviors if they need rewiring to get things done so if if i'm a developer and i'm really focused on the systems end but i'm not doing the relationship piece then i need to figure out how to do that and vice versa Mm -hmm. i mean because i'm the vice versa (laughs) the relationship stuff and the fonts and colors are great but oh yeah this has to be programmed how are we Mm going to do that yeah. You know, that might sit on my to-do list. Actually, it did. Redoing my welcome sequences sat on my to-do list for way longer than I would like to admit. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Well, and I think the other thing is, I'm thinking of a friend of mine that um, is making some pitches to media. And mm-hmm. she has the plan. She knows, she has a list with contacts. Um, she has a sample piece that she just tweaks just a little bit um, and she sent out one and didn't get an answer back and so she knows that you know that no answer means no and so she's got this other list but then something else happened in her life she's like i don't know if i can do this right now and then uh, maybe another week is going to go by and another week Mm. and this is a person who knows exactly what she needs to do. But for her, that procrastination is about this feeling that she's going to be rejected. Yep. And then she's going to have to deal with that. And mm-hmm. so, you know, one week becomes two, becomes <laughs> three. And and again, if you're the kind of person that loves to have a lot of balls in the air, you you throw another ball up in the air. Oh, gee, I'm kind of busy to do that this week. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. see that a lot. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I have almost the identical story, almost the identical one. So I've got a student who had is has got a, a great course she put together. Her positioning is killer. She's getting tons of leads. She's sold out through, I don't know, the, the next six months. She's doing great. Yeah. And she's got a message. She's got a podcast. She get, gets good reviews on the podcast. And, uh, and but she hasn't done a podcast to her. She hasn't guested on other people's podcasts. So we said, okay, I mean, that would be a good thing to do to sort of expose yourself to these other audiences because you've got your act together, like your routine is down. So like spread the word, you know, and she's got a great, you know, it's great. So, you know, we put together a list of, she'd get a list of all the podcasts she wants to go on. It's like a long list. She's got the contact information. She's listened to episodes of all the shows. She's got, uh, a, a you know, three suggested topics. So when she reaches out to the host, like, Hey, I'm, I'm blah. I do this. I'd love to teach your audience about one of the following three things. And then like 
pre-formatted almost like perfect titles for the episode you know like three different episodes ideas she's rocking it yeah it's great and uh uh you know we put it all together and and you know we get on the phone and i'm like did you start sending those she's like no not yet i'm like you know and i knew why not because the same reason it's like fear fear of rejection yeah and uh and so i'm like look you really it's going to take a long time like like you start sending these now these episodes aren't going to start coming out for like six months or maybe a year because there's such a long lead time sometimes with podcasts especially the really good ones that you want to be on so you know on a i don't know if it was like a wednesday or whatever but you know that day the next day she she texts me like (laughs) end of day and she's like, I still didn't send any. <laughs> she's like, I've been staring at my, I've been staring at it all day. And so I'm oh. like, just, just send three or whatever. And, you know, and within 10 minutes, she had a yes back, mm-hmm. you know, and, yep. and it's, it's just like, oh, I, I can't. And, and she's, you know, she's smart. She's like, I can't believe I waited so long to do that. Like, you know, it's just hilarious. Yeah. It's hilarious what your brain does to you. Well, yeah, and we all have that about different things. It's, you know, half of, half of avoiding procrastination is figuring out what your your motivations and levers are and, and like fooling yourself. Mm. Yeah, that's that. You know what? You just you nailed the thing that scares me. Fooling yourself. That's why I delete stuff off my to do list. Like, stop fooling yourself. That's to me. That is that is scary. Like when you can't trust yourself. That that's that is the underlying. Th- I didn't realize until you just used those words. But that's the underlying thing that is really creeps me out. Mm-hmm. Like like self awareness. Like you know, because like obviously my danger zone stuff. My danger zone stuff for procrastinating is anything like the um, stuff like the dealing with the car. It, that that's definitely right up there. But even worse is any kind of paperwork. I cannot force myself. Detailed execution. Can't can't stand it. It feels mm-hmm. like a massive waste of mental resources. Like the the lift that it takes for my brain to read a ten page contract or like go through my taxes or something. I can't tell you like how <laughs> it it's like it's like I just want to go to sleep. I just like oh I can't do this. So I know what my danger zone areas are. So I just make sure they're covered. So like like my. The CPA is amazing. If she ever fires me, I'll cry. And I, she just, I just trust her. She handles it. She sends me this stuff to to sign, and I procrastinate. <laughs> and eventually, she, she yells. And, yeah. <laughs> because then you have to scan it and send it back, unless you've got a, right. you know electronic exactly. signature stuff. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. So, and so, but but the terror of her firing me is enough to get me to like to, to not force her to chase me too much. So. <laughs> So I mean that's it sounds pathetic when I you know when you say it out loud it's like pathetic but uh, but, but we but, all have that I mean I yeah. like defining it as a danger zone because I was just right. thinking I think my danger zone is long form pieces like mm. I can write a million um, you know hundred to thousand word pieces you mm-hmm. get me over a thousand words and I'm like uh. <laughs> 
I just find it really, really difficult. And I, I don't know if it's from all those years I spent in a big firm where everybody wrote these long, ponderous white papers and I never did. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, you know, I, I keep thinking of, of David Maester who wrote, I don't know, seven books, something like that. He's kind of the father of professional service firm consulting. And his thing was that he didn't like to write books. He liked to write articles. Right. So he would write, I'm guessing they're 2,500, 3,000 word articles. And when he mm-hmm. had enough, he'd put them together in a book. Right. It's, I, you know, I do think that there's, there's some real legitimacy to this idea of figuring out what your danger zones are. I mean, that's why I have my checklist. Because mm-hmm. when things are routine, I forget them. And I, I know I forget them on purpose because I don't want to do them because they're boring. Yeah. So I need to see, literally to see it. So like having it on my computer screen isn't enough. I need it like physically in front of my face. And mm. it's pathetic. I feel very <laughs> pathetic about that. But if a client said that to me, I wouldn't find it pathetic. I only find right. it pathetic because it's it's me because I think it should be, somehow it should be perfect, which we know is crap. Right. You know, none of like, us have this all figured out. Right. Like you should be some kind of robot. Yeah, I should just have have this all down. But having this self-knowledge to go, yeah, this is where I get in trouble, that's really helpful information. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and once you, once you are clear on that stuff, you can staff it, usually. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, like, for me, it's all, it's all like, I just like thinking. I just like thinking about stuff and writing. And I don't, <laughs> I don't want to mow my lawn. There's, like, no reward there whatsoever for me to mow the lawn. This is so funny because my husband is, you know, I call him the border collie because he's been a producer all his life and you're always wrangling people and people, not like just deadlines and stuff, but people. And so he'll try to, he'll try to border collie me with this stuff. And he's like, well, did you get this done? I'm like, no, I'm thinking bigger thoughts. I'm thinking about strategy. I can't be bothered with these little details. And he, he thinks I'm insane. But so what we've been able to do in our partnership is that I try to take as many of those things um, that he can do that he likes to do. So we have the things that I like to do, the things that he likes to do. Like I actually like getting the taxes organized. I don't do them, I hand them off, but I like knowing it because it's strategy. It's financial mm-hmm. strategy for our household, mm-hmm. but I don't want to do it, right. but I, I want to know that it's done. And then he'll do like now with COVID, he's been doing all the grocery shopping. So he'll do things okay. where you can check off the list. So I think you, you don't have to be married to somebody or in partnership with somebody to have that. You can hire those things out too. Yeah. I mean, you could even hire out having somebody get your car inspected, I'm I, sure. Yeah, read in my mind, actually. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm like, my, hour, my, my lawyer's 200 bucks an hour, and I think he would be justified. In, I could just say that. Because then you wouldn't have the salad or the dog walk. So. That is true, but it would be done, and I wouldn't get yelled at, which would be nice. Yeah. But yeah. I do. I think the salad, tri- I think the salad trick is going to work. I can actually picture what I would do. So, uh, yeah, so that's good. It's slightly complicated because COVID, but we'll see. And for um, those of you that are not motivated by salad, think ice cream, think <laughs> chocolate, you know. Or even, like you said, even just like taking a dog to the park, with, you know, or the woods or something. Just yeah, like, yeah, yeah, just a little expedition. Yeah. Right. It's fun. And, you know, I don't know if anybody else in, in the audience feels this way, but there's something about, you know, working from home, having your own business. I always feel like, you know, I have to be working, but there is something when you take an hour off Mm. and you go do something like that, you come back and you go, whoa, this is why I got into business. So I could do this. So I could do do this on a Tuesday afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. My days, my days are, I was saying to Erica yesterday, she's like, what's your day look like? And I was like, 
I've got four phone calls, which for me is a super busy day. And uh, I mean, I, I don't mind the phone calls individually, but I just don't like having four in the same day. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I usually have like two or one or none. You know, it's, I try mm-hmm. to keep it to two in a given day uh, because I really have to show up for these phone calls. Like my brain needs to be like, um, yeah, you need to fire on all cylinders. Yeah, it's 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 I don't want to say draining because I do enjoy it, but it takes a lot of energy. And mm-hmm. and so I'm like, you know, my my calendar, it looks like I retired. You know, it's like <laughs> I have like, I don't know, like four or five appointments in a week in most weeks, you know, four or five calls. And like that includes this, you know, so mm-hmm. uh, so in between that I'm doing I'm doing stuff in support of the overall business or individual students, you know, it's but it's flexible. It's like it can be done right. whenever. And so for a long time, and I, I think this is a little bit controversial, I've uh, maintained a no, maintain no separation between my personal calendar and my work calendar or my personal email and my work email. It's all mm-hmm. the same, uh, which I'm not sure how that relates to procrastination, but you remind me of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but being able to like, being able to, I guess it's the reward thing, you know, being able to reward yourself for the stuff. Uh, see, the reward thing doesn't work with me, but your the way that you put it, the way that you put it of like, like, uh, of actually making the day about something else and getting your car fixed while you're at it mm-hmm. you know so that's not to yeah. me it's not a reward i guess you could call it that but the reward thing always the carrot thing always i was always like well you know it's kind of like uh like uh the bass player in my band in the 90s he used to say uh uh, hard work pays off in the long run, but laziness pays off right now. <laughs> it's kind of like, I, I don't want to do this thing, you know? Yeah. Well, it's, I just think that life is short. And if we can find ways to make things fun, I mean, you know, my husband and I, every every Saturday we go to the farmer's market and it's fun. We take our dog. The Jackson cannot wait to jump in the car. And so we get this errand done and there's all these neat farmers. So you talk directly to the farmers and because we go every week, we know them mm-hmm. and, you know, we can chat with them. We can pick our produce and yeah, you know, guess what? In the summer, it's really hot here, yeah. <laughs> but it's still, it's, there's a way to make it fun. And I think, you know, you just have to find what makes things fun. And sometimes, you know, they're not fun and you take them off your list. And other times you just make them less onerous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cool. All right. Have we gone around the bend on this one? (laughs) Yeah, since we've gone off topic. um... Yeah, a couple of of tangents (laughs) there, but. But they're they're related. I mean, I like this idea of of danger zone and, and integrity of the list. Uh, I feel like we've, you know, uncovered a couple of yeah, gems. TM, that... TM, TM, yeah. <laughs> TM, TM? Yes, we trademarked that. So, uh, cool. All right, folks. Well, if you have any if you have any questions, when you get around to it, you can just email us any follow-ups <laughs> to put it on your to-do list. Absolutely. All right, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye-bye.